to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. Those feelings can coexist. You know, you can access feelings of pleasure and feel really good at the same time of carrying sadness and that like that sadness isn't necessarily something you ever get over. You just like learn to live with. Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live, and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. I pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. We deal with a lot of grief on this podcast, and I think we've all been through it in some way. Today, I really wanted to explore intimacy during and after grief. It's not something that a lot of people talk about, so I'm starting the conversation now. I'm navigating all of this with Rachel from Libido. She's an expert in sexual wellness and has had her own personal experience with grief. Rachel, welcome to The Deep. Thank you, Zoe. It's a pleasure to be here. I am excited. This episode is slightly different for us, but I think it is very much needed with the content that we put out every week with the state of the world, with the people who listen to us. It's going to be around grief and sex, trauma and sex, and all the parts of us that are shadowed and intimacy. And you are the right person for that for a couple of reasons. Why don't you explain? Sure. It's a big, big chat. (laughs) Um, I found myself just in the last 24 hours leading up to this chat, just thinking about it and just finding myself so emotional. I feel like it's such a big chat and I really hope that whoever's listening, you know, feels heard and I just wanted to start by saying that I'm not an expert in grief, but I've had some of my own experiences, sadly, with grief. And so I hope that people understand that grief is really different for everyone and that they can hopefully find some comfort in the words that I say and know that some things that maybe helped me might help them, but also might not because, you know, it's such an individual experience. Um, But I am the founder of Libido, first and foremost. Um, We create elevated sexual wellness products. They're designed to sit on your bedside table alongside your skincare and your fragrance products, not tucked away at the bottom of your drawer. We're really trying to break down the stigma around pleasure and intimacy and just remind you that you really deserve to feel good and finding pleasure, you know, all around us. Um, and you know, for us, it's, it's a holistic approach. So it's not just about using a sex toy or having sex. It's about accessing pleasure in a way that feels really good for you. 
And, you know, that's why we have products that are like bath and body products, massage and body oils, candles, bath salts, lubricants, vitamins. It's this really 360 degree lens on your pleasure and your sexual wellness. It almost feels very self-care-esque, right? Like self-love-esque. Yeah. And it's a funny thing because I know through my experiences with grief and trauma, there is such a spectrum of ways that you feel sexually. Like sometimes when you are so full of grief, so whether it's rage, all of those really elevated feelings, sometimes you just want to fuck, you know, like you just want to jump on someone and be on someone and kind of be like you want it to be moved through you because it's so suffocating you know there's definitely that part where you just want to be taken and kind of it's so potent and you want it to be yeah out of your body um and then I know a lot of it especially with the way grief moves and changes And over many, many years, it can actually just really deaden your pleasure ends. You know, it can make it dormant. It can make you feel like that's just not for you anymore. I don't have access to that part of me. In which side of the spectrum were you? Because I know I've lived on both and throughout, you know, what was your experience Yeah, so I might share a little bit about my grief just first and a bit about my story around that. So I, when I was 23, I lost my mum to an aggressive form of stomach cancer. Mm. She was 55 at the time. Um, And then two years later at 25, I lost my uncle to esophagus cancer. I'm so sorry. And then two years later, I lost my grandfather as well. And then earlier this year, I lost my dad to pancreatic cancer. And so I've just turned 30 this year. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of grief over the last years since my mum passed. Um, And so, yeah, grief is really so different to everyone. And I feel like there's no better way for me to explain that than to compare the grief around my mum's death versus mm. the grief now at 30 around my dad and and where I am and, you know, related to my business and pleasure and all of those things. But, you know, for me really at the age of 23, that's, it's, it's still young. You're still, it's a time when there's just so much change in your life already. You know, you're experimenting. I was single at the time. I'd just come out of a long-term relationship. I, My friends are experimenting with alcohol and drugs and, you know, new jobs and careers and partying and new relationships and all of that. And having the diagnosis of my mum's cancer thrown on top of that was just a really destabilizing experience for me. Um you know, my grief then was really layered as it is now, but grief is really complex because it's not always just about the person you're grieving. You're also grieving the change and the challenges that come with that. 
for me, it was, you know, we'd just moved out of our family home after my mum died. My whole family dynamic changed. Mm. My dad changed as well. He ended up repartnering, remarrying. He had another child. <laughs> um, so just so many, you know, I was grieving not being the youngest child anymore. I grew up with a household of two older siblings and, you know, that was a big change for me as well. And, yeah, it's really different to the grief that I feel right now as well. Is the grief when you were 23, did it tend to make you somewhat reckless sexually? Like like I remember I was similar age to you. I think I was 22 and I had a partner um, when she passed but before that, when she was diagnosed, I didn't. And I felt not necessarily like sexually um, reckless, but, you know, I was drinking more alcohol and I was staying out later and I was kind of sometimes blacking out, drunk. Um, those things happened. Wasn't really s- sexual because I think I was kind of on again, off again with a partner, which I remember using for intimacy and to kind of like deal with rage through him, um, through my grief and my sadness. Did you touch on that or or did you kind of shut off and you were like, I don't want anyone to look at me, touch me? No, I I was kind of similar. I so I had got out of a long-term relationship and I was single and I started dating again, but I really found myself like not emotionally Mm. available, like in terms of just not being able to commit to anyone because I was so scared of being hurt more and carrying more pain. And so I found myself going on these like one night stands with people and just like having sex just to feel something that wasn't the pain of the grief and like, you know, my whole life was like around the hospital at the time and the hospice and dealing with that. And it was so intense. And then I'd just go out and meet people at the time. And it was just like a bit of an escape. And yeah, we were partying and and going out with friends as well. But I felt there was this balance between like wanting to be young and free and explore myself, but also having these really adult (laughs) experiences that were like, turning my whole world upside down. Yes, I can so relate to that. Yeah. it's And it feels like you don't actually have the one night stand for pleasure. I don't, I'm not with my ex for pleasure. It's for distraction. And I think that's the difference, right? You're not like, oh, I really want to like use my breath and like have a really deep orgasm with this. It's not at all conscious sex or intimacy. It's just distract my pain kind of. And that is also valid and valuable and a coping mechanism and there's no shame in any of that. But it's interesting when we talk about grief and sex and pleasure because they can very much be different things, you know. Totally, yeah. And I think about it like now where I've come to as well, like since – the grief of my mum and now my dad at 30 years old, like I've learned so much about grief and how like layered it is. I really didn't understand it at the time. I didn't know that it could manifest in other ways, not just 
being sad and feeling hopeless and lying on the couch crying, which of course it is at times, but grief is so much more than that as well. It's also feelings of irritability and it's also anger, like you said, and rage and it's having less patience for me or maybe not having as much attention. And so what I've learned now is to be able to access pleasure in ways that like resonate with me in a way. And and for me, that's often just like hanging out with the people that I love and having those like beautiful, intimate moments with them, or, or, you know, the connection that I get from that. But from an intimacy perspective as well at 30, the first time after my dad died, after I had, um, after he died, the first time having sex, I just remember like crying. I just, I just like bawled my eyes out because it felt so weird. It was such a big contrast to what I was feeling. And I almost felt this like guilt around feeling good. And that it was this like hit in my face of like, oh, like you're not actually dying. Like you have a life to live. Like you can still move forward. And that feeling, I was just overcome with so much like sadness and emotion around it um and I think what I've learned since then is that like those feelings can coexist you know you can access feelings of pleasure and feel really good at the same time of carrying sadness and that like that sadness isn't necessarily something you ever get over you just like learn to live with Do you find that? Yeah, it's so nuanced, isn't it? It's like life is just deeply uncomfortable as much as it is beautiful. And even if it isn't a deep loss like a parent or a deep trauma like what I experienced with my sexual trauma with DB, we can talk about that in a minute as well. It's um, There's been something going on that is deeply sad and 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 is full of grief and I've realized it was making me physically unwell for about a month and in that time it's the body is just so smart it it is protecting me you know it's like stay home let's be small let's be in bed let's be warm let's just try and you can ask for help if you're sick you can get a babysitter or you can ask more for Benj like you've got an excuse and then you also don't have to have sex when you're sick or you're you're sad like you've got an excuse and so I was looking at myself through this process because I did not feel any part of me was sexual it was so dormant And then I looked further into it and I was like, this is really interesting that my body is self-preserving, but I also need to learn how to communicate this beyond me just like self-sabotaging my life and getting sick. Cause you know, the, like the repercussions of being sick, it's like everything snowballs. It's a domino effect. And so it was like a real learning of like, you need to be able to communicate. And it was so interesting. I was able to do that because it kind of moved out from being a, you know, the sadness of that issue. I, I kind of created a boundary and felt really good about that but I have realized this 
hormonal state I'm in right now, which so many women will be able to recognize whether you're trying for a baby, oh my God, sex is the worst, or when you've had a baby, you're postpartum, or whatever it is, hormonally, we are so off kilter. And I've only just the past week been two weeks been working on my hormones. And I had to speak to my husband and just be like, right now, honestly, for me, I am so in this world of getting recalibrated. I just don't mm-hmm. feel like that level of connection. And he was so You're protecting yourself. Yeah. But he was so understanding and yeah. so appreciative. And I realized, wow, okay, I don't need to do the, the old methods of just getting really run down and sick. I can actually voice that I'm feeling so sad or I'm feeling, you know, triggered or I'm feeling all of these things. And I don't, I'm not sure if I can be intimate the way I want to be with you that's healthy for us at this time could you give me some space? And it's just like the overwhelming love you have when someone respects a boundary like that is like, all you want to do is fuck them after they're like, oh, so I'm just completely over here when you're ready. Yeah. The power of that open conversation. It's yeah. Having that open space. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to feel. And that's a lot of like, ex-societal norms I mean they're still present I'm saying ex for me because I'm not buying into them but you know the society cultural expectation that women have sex when men want sex and perform like this with sex and and women are supposed to do it this often and couples do it that often and it's like this real surrender that I'm not I'm not doing the patriarchy's version of my sexuality. Like it actually doesn't know. And so if I'm true to myself, what does that actually look like for me? And that I think is a huge part to navigate with grief or trauma because sexuality and intimacy is such a life force for us you know, and is so vital and valuable and it has to be acknowledged as like the same as like breathing and eating and sleeping well, you know, I I truly believe that. So for me, that was kind of my learnings. I'd love to hear yours. For sure. And I I also want to add to that, that it's also sexuality is something that's fluid and it's always changing and it changes with the experiences that we have and, you know, we all come from different backgrounds and religious cultures as well that can all impact those things. Absolutely. But, you know, the, the importance of those conversations and having that open dialogue with your partner always is so important and your partner on the other end being able to receive that and just to hear you and for you to be validated and to be heard. Often physical intimacy starts with emotional connection. So it's just about feeling understood and seen and heard. And that makes you then want to be closer to your partner. And I've found that as well. I think one of the biggest barriers to pleasure that we know is stress and, you know, trauma and grief are huge stresses in our lives. And so, you know, when we go into this state of stress, it's a survival mode where sometimes the last thing that's on our mind is wanting to have sex because we're just focused on 
keeping ourselves alive and getting through that. And so I think, you know, some of the things that have helped me is, like you said, really open and honest communication with my partner and just saying that, you know, right now I'm really struggling and I might not feel like being so intimate right now, but that doesn't mean that things are always going to be like this, you know, it's just how I feel right now. And yeah, your partner hearing that and you feeling heard, but also having a lot of self-compassion to yourself, to be kind to yourself, to give yourself the time that you need to grieve and yeah. that to take that pressure off yourself that you need to be having sex or you need to be intimate, you need to be doing certain things. It's like there's so much change going on already. It's like the importance of just being like kind. And I think I'd mentioned that to my psych like when my dad died, I said, I was like, you know, I just, I just want to feel good again. Like, I just want to feel like me. I want to be having the amount of sex that I was having before. I just want to feel good. And she said to me, she's like, now is not the time to feel good. Like now is the time to grieve. And so just like that validation in a way gave me permission to just grieve and allowed me to like sit in that and then slowly to reintroduce pleasure into my life in ways that spoke to me, which, you know, if it was having a bit of my own time and, and running a bath or yeah, finding, finding ways that, that spoke to me. And I think there's this delicate balance in a relationship where you have to balance solitude and togetherness and give yourself the space to actually have the time to yourself, but not too much that you become too distant from your partner because something like stress and grief can really make you go inwards. And, and I'm definitely guilty of that, like going into my inner world and feeling like no one understands me, not even my partner, because how can they? They've, they don't know the pain that I'm truly carrying, but they can still see me and they can listen to me but no one fully understands it unless you've been through it so I think it is really important to just stay connected through that open conversation and and give yourself that that space as well it is because it's a it's a bit of a catch-22 isn't it because intimacy with your partner if you've got one is such an incredible connection piece. Like it immediately bonds. It sends off all those happy hormones. It does all of the heavy lifting. So it's really powerful. And I know when couples get really busy and life happens, say it's not a grief uh, episode, it's just regular life. And sex hasn't happened for a couple months and then they start getting knockier at their partners and the distance kind of builds and it's once they have sex again, they're like, oh, my gosh. And it's not in the basic ways that we expect sex to just like we're both orgasming and we feel good. No, it's like a deep connection. It's like a seeing each other again. It's like a yeah. hearing each other again. It's like an acknowledgement of it's. it feels like there's this deep respect that is reclaimed. And I think that that is such an incredible reminder. I know we're kind of going off topic for a minute, but whilst we're on that with couples, it's so important. And I think you're right. We 
people can get in that rut of like no sex, no sex, no sex for so long. And when you're in the kind of having sex fluidly, things are just more harmonious naturally, you know? Yeah, I think also it's important to acknowledge that we can also broaden our definition of what sex actually is. So I think for so long we've been taught that it's penetration and it's so much more than that. You know, there are other ways to have sex and if you don't feel like having sex at all, that's also completely okay just to acknowledge that as well. But, you know, there's other erogenous zones on our body, areas of our body with a heightened sensitivity that can make us feel really good that you might want to explore with yourself or with your partner. You know, there's solo sex, there's watching your partner masturbate. There are so many different ways. You can also just cuddle and touch and kiss, you know, being intimate in a way that's good for you. And I think for so long we've been taught that there's one definition of sex. It's what we see online in movies in TV, Hollywood, in porn, and it's what we learnt in school really in the curriculum. But pleasure is so much broader than that. And there's also so many other benefits to just experiencing pleasure, not not just penetration, like getting to know your body more, getting to know your desires more, feeling more empowered in who you are, feeling more confident in the bedroom and then feeling more connected to yourself, to your partner, being able to tell your partner what what you want. And so I think, you know, we do definitely feel more connected when we're having more sex with our partners, but it's also there's other ways to connect that aren't just through penetration as well. Okay, I just need to interrupt the episode because you need to meet libido. Yes, an Aussie female-founded sexual wellness brand breaking taboos around pleasure. Imagine a world of sleek, stylish pleasure products designed to be as enticing as they are satisfying. Our obsession, the essential vibe. Stylish, powerful, and discreet. Trust us. Trust me. It's a game changer. Libido is all about embracing pleasure, changing the conversation, and prioritizing feeling good. I promise you, you will not regret this. You deserve it. And because we believe in pleasure for all, use code, all capitals, the deep 15 at checkout for 15% off the essential vibe. Head to libido.com, code, the deep 15, all capitals. Elevate your pleasure game with libido. Let's move on for the single ladies. Let's talk about solo sex and grief because this is also so important. And I feel that the way I come out of my kind of dark shadow when I'm impacted is even before I reach for a partner, I start reaching for my toys you know it feels like a a gateway back to myself and it feels Mm. like um something that you know when you're going through something really heavy or sad you in some ways dissociate you know and it's like self-pleasure lands me back in my body 
and it's kind of like a, a an arriving again. Um, and I have found that really powerful to follow my lead when I want to kind of reland back. Yeah. Feel, yeah. Feel more connected to your to yourself yeah. for sure. And you know, if we just think about some of the things that are going on in our body when we experience pleasure from a physical perspective, we actually see hormones like oxytocin and serotonin release throughout us that make us feel more relaxed and make us feel more calm. So like you said, that feeling of landing and just feeling more like grounded in a way, it's a huge stress relief. Yeah. Release from, you know, the the stress of, of your day, it takes you out of your head and more into your body. Yeah, it's immediate presence, isn't it? Nothing makes you yeah. more present than pleasure and orgasm. Like you are so in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> you are. Yeah. No, you really are. And you know, we also just the actual feeling of pleasure, like it just feels so good and we have the ability to access that whenever we want, <laughs> you know, if the clitoris, the sole purpose of the clitoris is to experience pleasure, to make us feel really good. So that's something that we can access on our bodies whenever we want. And I think, you know, sometimes that's just what you need when you're having a rough time, like just the ability to just step away, take the time for yourself to just feel good, to connect more to yourself so that then you feel like you can connect more to others to show up better to the people around you because you feel less stressed. Like the benefits of pleasure and investing in our sexual wellness are just as important as looking after our mental health and our physical health. I so agree with that. I'm thinking about the other positives of self-pleasure now which for me personally I use for some of these things and you can add to this because you're like the self-pleasure fact woman um headaches great for headaches great for period pain period pain is the biggest yeah it's it is so good for period pain definitely yeah the blood flow, it really helps with the blood flow and reducing the pain and it almost acts like a natural painkiller when you're on your period to to experience pleasure. So I definitely recommend that um, during that as well. I, it hasn't worked for me for headaches, but I'm going to try that. I don't often get bad migraines or headaches, but that's an interesting one for sure. Headaches, period pain, um, creativity. Like I find if I am... Um, in a place of creation and I get stuck, pleasure and self-pleasure is such a, a portal to getting you creative again. Um, I've been doing a lot of womb work and depending on what parts of the vagina you're dealing with, it's kind of like a Pandora's box to connecting in a really gentle way with obviously your feminine, but there's parts to connect with past, you know, generational kind of trauma and how to kind of heal those things. Like the, the, I'm going to get to sounding really woo woo, but like the vulva and the whole womb has such 
magic. Like it is our creation point. It is we birth from there, but not just babies. We birth our ideas from there. We birth ourselves from there. We it's like our identity piece is is really attached to the the womb, and this whole thing that vulvas are disgusting and smelly and they have to look like this or that and I shouldn't touch myself or I shouldn't claim my pleasure or want for anything is just such a disservice and especially because as I said life is deeply uncomfortable we're having traumas all the time micro ones major ones and why not go back to your body and your womb and and your pleasure as a way to kind of like, you know, make everything one again. It just seems like real magic because it it truly is. It truly is. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, there's so many more benefits as well from feeling more just connected to your own body, especially, you know, after having a baby. You could probably speak about that as well. Your whole, your body changes, your... Yeah identity changes as well like there's so many changes going on and then from a hormonal perspective as well postpartum you know it's common to experience things like anxiety and depression and so you know levels of desire fluctuate throughout different stages of our life whether that's trauma whether that's grief whether that's having a baby whether that's menopause there are so many big things always going on around us that can affect our levels of desire and our ability to access pleasure. And so I always just think it's really important to just acknowledge those things that it's so normal if your desire and your ability to access pleasure is changing and there's no normal and there's no right or wrong. It's There's no one size fits all with pleasure the same way there's no one size fits all with grief. There's no playbook. There's no end goal that we're trying to get to. It's a journey and it's about the journey of getting there and what it means to you. It's the journey of of getting there and everyone's is so different and it's really interesting hearing, hearing your experience, you know, and feeling like it's all about one and, and connected to the womb. Like I find that fascinating. It's so interesting. Yeah. It's um, something I've only been learning. It's a new concept for me, but I, you, you have, we have kind of led to a natural next place, which perhaps we need to do another episode on because I think sex after birth, sex during pregnancy, sex while trying to fall pregnant is a is a really big conversation, one that's not often acknowledged or had. And just because your obstetrician says you can safely have sex after six weeks doesn't mean you have to. Yeah, and also the question I would be asking is you might be physically ready, but how are you feeling emotionally? You know, there's that responsible break, but it's like, there's so much change going on around you. So how how are you actually feeling and checking in with yourself? And it's really funny. I'll just leave us on this note to be continued. But I realized for a really long time I couldn't have my breasts be touched in a sexual way after breastfeeding, right? It just I couldn't um, differentiate 
flipping from these milk makers to nourish my babies into like sexual objects. And to this day, I have still not gotten back there. And do you know why? And I've only found out recently, I'm still lactating. That is, and I stopped breastfeeding 18 months ago, which is why we're dealing with hormones, but the body knows, like I am not, the body knows. of course, consciously I go, it's been 18 months. Of course, grab these titties. It's not that it's like, no, something is very hyper aware that this is not ready yet. And then the blood test results come back or you find milk in your boobs and you're like, oh my gosh, I I get it. And thank God, like, I'm not crazy. You know, this is, yeah. And whatever it is with you, if it's this, I mean, the vagina is a mystical place and, but it also can have a million things that come up that are challenging for it. You know, there's, vaginismus there's bv there's a thrush there it talks to you your vagina is fucking smart and so i think if we're just like shoving pessaries up there or cream up there or doing whatever but not actually going what are you trying to tell me like what aren't you okay with these things constantly recur and it's it's sad because we haven't ever really treated our vaginas with respect, you know? I definitely agree. And that was like part of the reason with launching Libido, it kind of had led me on this journey of research and looking at the products that were available to us. And, you know, these are products we're putting on our most intimate areas of our bodies. And it's a highly, or it was at the time, a highly unregulated industry. And so if you look at products that you'd buy on a supermarket shelf, a lot of them contain really nasty ingredients that can potentially cause thrush or, you know, give you discomfort during sex. And so for me, it was really important to create products that were 100% natural and pH balanced and made in Australia. And we use really high quality native Australian ingredients as well, which have amazing benefits. And so really just like looking at it in the same way we look at every other category in beauty, which has had its own makeover. But why I was questioning, like, why is the sexual wellness category like still lagging behind? Why is no one doing anything about it? Why does no one care? Because we don't respect our vaginas, you know, and you do. So you were the pioneer here. <laughs> well, I think it was more like when I realized just everything I'd learned up until that point has just like missed missed everything. Like it, ta- it taught us that women's pleasure was never the priority. It was never about us. It was men buying products for women. And so for me, I was like, well, no, this is, this is my body and this is something I do respect. And I want to make sure that I'm putting the right ingredients there that aren't harmful, that are really high quality. And that's what other women wanted as well. And other people. Would you do the pleasure, pardon the pun, of joining us again for the next chapter? Because I don't feel like we're done here. We have so much to chat about. Oh my (laughs) gosh. We've just started. This could be a whole series. We are going to leave a link, as I said earlier in the ad, in our show notes. Go wild, quite literally. 
it is going to change your your sexual experience for the better. <laughs> Rachel, I thank you so much for being with us today on The Deep. Thank you so much, Zoe. This has been such a beautiful chat. It would be an honour to come back. Um, yeah, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's the Deep. Hi, everybody. It is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting, it's quirky, it's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you will hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.